0: Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. National Geographic ran an article about the Alaskan bull moose. Now the males of the species battle for dominance during the fall breeding season where they literally go head to head with their antlers crushing together as they collide. Often the antlers, which is their only weapon, are broken. Well, that ensures defeat. The heaviest moose with the largest and strongest antlers wins. Well, therefore, the battle that is fought in the fall is really won during the summer when the moose eat continually. The moose that consumes the best diet for growing antlers and gaining weight will be the heavyweight in the fight. Those that eat inadequately, well, they will sport weaker antlers and then have less bulk. You see, there's a lesson for us here. Satan is going to choose a season to attack us. Will we be victorious? Will we fall? Much depends on what we do now before the attacks begin. Faith, strength, Wisdom for the trials we face are best developed before they are actually needed. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, warns of an attack on the church launched by Satan prior to the second coming of Jesus. Uh, he calls it an apostasy or a falling away. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Look at what it says. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. You see, Paul here says that prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, something is going to go terribly wrong within the Christian church. Furthermore, he warns his brethren that the mystery of lawlessness is in fact already at work. That's in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 7. You see, even at that very early date of the Christian church, he saw creeping into the church errors that were going to be dangerous for that little church. Little by little, the mystery of lawlessness carried forward its deceptive and blasphemous work. By the end of the third century, the true servants of God had become a distinct minority among those who called themselves Christians. The counterfeit Christianity had, in fact, become the majority. False teachers had successfully gained a far larger following than the faithful ministers of God. Almost unnoticeably, the customs of heathenism found their way into the Christian church In the early centuries, the spirit of compromise and conformity was restrained for a time by the fierce persecutions the church endured under paganism. But as persecution ceased and Christianity entered the courts and palaces of kings, she lay aside that humble simplicity of Christ and his apostles for the pomp and pride of pagan priests and rulers and in place of the requirements of God she substituted human theories and human traditions. This brand of unconverted Christianity rapidly expanded its membership and became the visible Christian church. It professed to offer salvation but without the necessity of real repentance. It held just enough truth to appeal to the masses. In spite of its faults, it appeared to offer a hope unequaled by any pagan religion of that time. You see, none of the pagan religions offered a believer a way for people to receive forgiveness of sins and obtain eternal life this new religion seemed to offer that. Little did its followers realize that its promises, without real repentance, well, they were made in vain. By the end of the 3rd century, this counterfeit Christianity was a squabbling, bitterly divided religion. At the beginning of the 4th century, two things happened that abruptly altered the course of Christian history. First, the Roman emperor Diocletian intensified the policy of many of the previous emperors of persecuting Christians and ordered that all Christian manuscripts be burned. This dramatically renewed a climate of fear throughout the Christian community. Ten years later, another emperor... Constantine, he came to power. He had defeated another powerful contender for the right to replace Diocletian as emperor, but he still had many enemies, and his political position remained insecure. In all the empire, only the Christians were unaligned politically. Constantine immediately saw an opportunity to use his formally persecuted, and politically alienated religious body to strengthen his hold on his empire. First, he legalized Christianity. Well, this caused great rejoicing. Now, whether his conversion was sincere or politically motivated, historians can only speculate. But the result of his conversion was the end of persecution of Christians. Two years later, Constantine called the divided Christian groups together and he hammered out a unified system of belief. He wanted a united religious body that was politically committed to him. To achieve this, Constantine presided over doctrinal deliberations and and dictated statements of belief. And whenever disagreements could not be resolved amicably, he would force them to resolve them. He soon successfully molded the bickering groups of counterfeit Christians who were willing to accept state control into a strong, unified vassal of the Roman Empire. Williston Walker former professor of ecclesiastical history at Yale University says that in 323 A.D., Constantine was at last the sole ruler of the Roman world. The church was everywhere free from persecution, but in winning its freedom from its enemies, it had come largely under control of the occupant of the Roman imperial throne a fateful union with the state had begun. Now, the work of corruption rapidly progressed. Paganism, while appearing to be defeated, became the conqueror. Paganism controlled now the church. Pagan doctrines, pagan ceremonies, pagan superstitions, were incorporated into the faith and worship of the professed followers of Jesus Christ. Dr. Sophie Lund Rockliffe, writing for the BBC website, in an article entitled Christianity and the Roman Empire, said the following, Constantine's conversion poses problems for the historian although he immediately declared that Christians and pagans should be allowed to worship freely and restored property confiscated during persecutions and other lost privileges to the Christians, these measures did not mark a complete shift to a Christian style of rule. Many of his actions seemed resolutely pagan Constantine founded a new city named after himself, Constantinople. Christian writers played up the idea that this was to be a new Rome, a fitting Christian capital for a newly Christian empire. But they had to find ways to explain the embarrassing fact that in this new, supposedly Christian city, Constantine had erected pagan temples and statues. You See, as this new religion that is now being supported by the Roman emperors grew in power and influence, it sought to become a truly universal church. In its ambition to add more members, many new converts, and many new practices well, they were welcomed into its fold. Charles Ginebert, professor of history of Christianity at the University of Paris, describes this process. He writes, Now at the beginning of the 5th century, the ignorant and semi-Christians thronged into the church in numbers. They had forgotten none of their pagan customs. The bishops of that period had to contend themselves with redressing as best they could, and in, in, and in experimental fashion, the shocking malformations of the Christian faith which they perceived around them. He continues, properly instructing converts was out of the question; they had to be content with teaching them no more than the symbol of baptism and then baptizing them en masse, postponing until a later date the task of eradicating their superstitions, which they preserved intact. Well, this later date never arrived, and the church adapted to herself as well as she could them and their customs and their beliefs. On their side, they were content to dress up their paganism In a Christian cloak. Well, what was the result? This state dominated Christianity became a bizarre synthesis of beliefs, practices, and customs from many sources. Gignanbert explains it is sometimes very difficult to tell exactly from which pagan rite a particular Christian rite is derived, but it remains certain that the spirit of pagan ritualism became impressed upon Christianity to such an extent that, at the last, the whole of it might be found distributed through its ceremonies. In those early centuries, the counterfeit Christianity that the Apostles of Jesus Christ had fought so hard to contain, well, it grew in size and in popularity. The study of the Holy Scriptures, which would have been the only true way to discern the true from the false that was coming into the church, well, that was set aside. For hundreds of years, the circulation of the Bible was prohibited. The people were forbidden to read it or to have it in their houses. Now, there were some who remained faithful and attempted to build upon what Christ had already laid. But they became confounded and hindered by this rubbish of false doctrine that had been heaped on the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, we read, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, like the builders of the wall of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day, some, some were ready to say, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 10, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Wearied with the constant struggle against persecution, against fraud, iniquity, and every other obstacle that Satan could devise to hinder their progress, some who had been faithful builders... Well, they became disheartened and for the sake of peace and security for their own property and their own lives, they turned away from the true foundation. Others, however, undaunted by the opposition of their enemies, they fearlessly remained faithful to the truth. The same spirit of hatred and opposition to the truth has inspired the enemies of God in every age and the same vigilance and fidelity has been and is being required of His servants today. The words of Christ to His first disciples are applicable to His followers all the way up to the close of time. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Mark 13, 37. You see, Bible knowledge, that provides a tremendous advantage to an individual, to a community, to a whole nation. Anyone who knows the Bible has gained an advantage. Those who practice what they know, will they have an even greater advantage. In order to capitalize on that advantage, we must learn to understand the Bible correctly And let the Bible be the ultimate guide in belief and in our religious practice. A couple of years ago, Christianity Today ran an article entitled, The Epidemic of Biblical Illiteracy in Our Churches. Here are some of the stats they provided Only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. Over 40% of the people attending read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. Almost one in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. The article goes on. It says, Because we don't read God's Word, it follows that we don't know it. To understand the effects, we can look to statistics of another Western country, the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom Bible Society surveyed British children and found that many could not identify common Bible stories. When given a list of stories, almost one in three didn't choose the nativity as part of the Bible, and over half, some 59%, didn't know that Jonah being swallowed by the great fish is in the Bible. Now British parents didn't do much better. Around 30% of parents don't know Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, or the Good Samaritan are in the Bible. To make matters worse, 27% think Superman is or might be a biblical story. More than one in three believe the same about Harry Potter. And more than half, 54%, believe the Hunger Games is or might be a story from the Bible. But it's more than simply not knowing stories or scripture. Our lack of biblical literacy has led to a lack of biblical doctrine. As a whole, Americans, including many Christians, hold unbiblical views of hell, sin, salvation, Jesus, humanity, and the Bible itself. There is little excuse for anyone living in Western civilization, particularly Christians, to not know or read the Bible. Nine out of ten American homes have at least one Bible. The average American Christian owns at least three Bibles. Technology has put Bibles at our fingertips wherever we are you can download a Bible for free on your smartphone. Maybe you're listening to me today. Although familiar with the Bible, you're only beginning to understand its basic teachings. Or maybe you're just learning the importance of real repentance, the meaning of salvation, the destiny of mankind, the kingdom of God, the importance of keeping God's commandments. If you're already familiar with the Bible, well, you have a distinct advantage. Continue to study it diligently, adding to what you know and correcting what you may have misunderstood. If you are unfamiliar with the Bible, it would be to your advantage to learn what it teaches. You see, it contains knowledge that is essential to salvation. Above all else, let God correct you through His Word. And let's have this attitude. The attitude of David when he cried out, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. 139th Psalm. You see, we would love to offer you a free Bible course that will allow you to learn exactly what God's Word says and what God's will is for your life. You can study the Bible in a small group. We can arrange that for you. You can do it just individually with a Bible instructor in person. You can do it by correspondence any way you like and there's never any cost nor is there any other obligation on your part whatsoever if you're watching today and you feel listen I wanna I want to embark on this path of Bible study you know if you feel that this is a good next step in your spiritual walk then when we share some of the contact information just just note that contact information You take down the website, my email address, you know, contact us and we're gonna do everything in our power to get you started on a journey of Bible study that I know it's going to change your life. I'll be praying that you accept my offer right now. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for all the blessings you give us, your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for the holy scriptures, the means by which we can come to learn just how much you love us. Father, if there is anyone within the reach of my voice today that has not yet embarked on this course of understanding your will for their lives through the study of your holy word, Father, may they accept the offer today. May they reach out through our website, through the email, and begin that course of study today. Thank you for loving us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come again to that part in our program where we offer you our free gift, a resource for your spiritual library. And today we have this little book written by Mark Finley. Some of you may be familiar with Pastor Mark Finley. The book is called End Time Hope, A Journey to Eternity. It's an excellent little resource. You could probably sit down you know, at one sitting and read the entire book, but it's, it's just chock full of wonderful, excellent, important information. We'd like to send you this book as a gift, no obligation whatsoever on your part. If you'd like to receive it, pay special attention to the information you're about to hear.
1: To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, wwwal 4 That's the Lessons for Living television website, wwwal 4 There, you will find the links to download a video and transcript of this program. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. WELL, ON OUR WEBSITE YOU CAN LEAVE A PRAYER REQUEST, AND IF IMPRESSED TO DO SO, DONATE TO HELP KEEP THIS MINISTRY ON THE AIR. THANK YOU FOR YOUR SUPPORT.
0: WELL, WE'VE COME TO THE END OF ANOTHER LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION PROGRAM. LET ME THANK YOU FOR uh, TUNING IN AND uh, I'D LIKE TO ENCOURAGE YOU TO LET YOUR FRIENDS AND FAMILY KNOW WHEN THEY CAN WATCH. IF YOU'RE LOOKING FOR THAT INFORMATION, A GREAT PLACE TO GO IS TO OUR WEBSITE. L4LTV.com. All of the information on where we broadcast is there. All of the previous programs, under the Previous Programs tab, you can be connected to every single program we have ever broadcast. It's accessible there. There's also a tab that's for Bible study. We talked about that, and if you'd like to be part of a group, we'll hook you up with a group that will help you in your Bible study. Um, you can then also look at where I'll be appearing live and there's a Donate Today tab where you can make a donation to help move this ministry forward and help us stay uh, on the air. Also, follow me on Instagram at Santos underscore Bill. Every morning I put a one-minute devotional Video on Instagram. You can use that in your own devotional. You can share it with friends and family. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter at Santos underscore Bill. Here's another website that's important for you missionnowcanada.com website. That's the branch of our ministry that goes overseas and conducts humanitarian mission trips. If you'd like to be a part of one of those, subscribe on the website to our newsletter. This way you'll be informed of any of the upcoming trips. You can make a donation to that effort there also, and you can see where we have been in the past and the work we have done. It's all available there on MissionNowCanada.com. Well, let me thank you again for joining us, and I cannot end this program without wishing you and your family Happy New Year. All the best of the new year from all of us at Lessons for Living Television, from my family to yours. God bless you. Happy New Year. Let's do this again real soon. See you next time. God bless.